Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. The Hitting the Turnbuckle Podcast. First come back. Give me a hell yeah. Welcome to the Hitting the Turnbuckle Podcast with a new tag team today, a new duo of myself, Dave Robinson over here in the UK and Parker Hamlet over there in the US. The absolute dream team when it comes to AEW fandom. How you doing, Parker? How's things? Oh, David, so good to see you again, man. We, we've been talking all the products this week and, you know, wanted some forbidden Dave insight on a lot of what's been going on. And uh, we kind of got a little bit of slander from Mr. Burroughs on our SmackDown review, talking about how bad Collision's been and how bad Rampage has been. And, you know, to be honest with you, I would agree with a lot of the Rampage slander up to this point, but I think you and I can both agree Collision has been some of the best wrestling TV for sure since its inception you know, just what, three or four weeks ago now. And man, were we given a treat because, you know, you see Punk Joe, they bill it as like this huge, you know, big fight feel. But we're just completely taken by the tag match that occurred between FTR and the Bang Bang Gang, Bullet Club, Gold. Oh, man. I mean, just that's what wrestling's all about. Got to fight forever chant. I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, David, but I mean, you know, honestly, like that was just some captivating television last night. And and for a Saturday night, Saturday night, as far as it's concerned, you know, you're going to have your skeptics about the longevity of what collision can bring. But let me tell you, if collision is like it was last night, Tony Khan is is, is going to be just fine. And so is AW. And I got some positive things to say about Rampage as well. So let's get right into it, David. I, I, yeah. I'm ready to go. Well, I'm, I was so glad that me and you were reviewing this together because I love Andy and I love Ad, but they are WWE guys and they'll tell you they're WWE guys, but they'll tell you they love wrestling. They seem to take a little bit of satisfaction in pointing out any flaws or any time it doesn't go quite right for AEW. And this week, I don't really think AEW put a foot wrong across five hours of television, to be honest. I think it's been a really, really good week for them. Um... First of all, let's touch on Rampage. So I don't know if you share the same opinion as me, Parker, but since they've launched Collision, they've seemed to put new fresh emphasis into Rampage as well. I thought Rampage was going to kind of fall down and be like the developmental show, the dark or, um, you know, the, yeah, the real C show. Um, but I think the content and some of the matches that we've got in the last few weeks on Rampage They've really turned it up a notch there as well. I mean, this week we get the Elite, we get Young Bucks and, and uh, Hangman up against Dark Order. We've got Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia up against Matt Hardy and Jeff Jarrett. Shida, Marina Shafir, and the main event of Big Bill and Brian Cage up against Trent and Matt Seidel. So I really thought this was a strong show this week and all the matches were given the adequate amount of time what did you think of the show overall before we break down the matches well no i definitely agree uh on the sentiment with burrows and adam uh i think adam leans a little bit more in our direction but burrows is a wwe guy tried and true he owns it he wears it we had a great little segment on our smackdown review that kind of uh popped on youtube a little bit so make Absolutely. sure you guys go check our smackdown review out but i mean there really is a big contrast between aw programming wwe program that being that WWE is going to lean more towards the sports entertainers and your, and your, your sports media centric stuff. It's going to lean a little bit more to the storylines. 
Whereas AEW, I've always said, you've always said, we're big fans of the in-ring product as far as what we get from a wrestling standpoint. And AEW, to its core, has ultimately always been about professional wrestling, Adam. I mean, excuse me, David. And because of that, right, I've always been big on AEW since its inception. And, you know, when Rampage was first announced, you know, the first episode was absolutely nuclear. I mean, they had Christian Cage take on Kenny Omega, I think, for the TNA title at the time. And, you know, it was a great opening episode. But honestly, after that, after Punk came, it's really lacked any type of importance, I'd yeah. say. And, yeah, it, and it's definitely taken a back seat. And it's become, I'd say, a lot would argue, you know, programming that's you can definitely miss. And Missable. this is coming from somebody yeah. that loves AEW and wa- yeah, loves yeah. to watch AEW. But, you know, when Collision, when Collision was announced, I, I definitely thought Rampage was, was seeing its, you know, kind of last legs. But with these last couple episodes of Collision that have come out, Rampage has definitely taken a step up. And, you know, I definitely think Tony Khan's going to put a little bit more emphasis on Rampage, knowing that, you know, it definitely went down on the pecking order, but you still have to make the programming feel meaningful. And, you know, honestly, this was the first episode of Rampage I've enjoyed in in quite some time. I thought the opener was great between the Dark Order and the Elite. A bunch of great near falls, the interference from the Blackpool Combat Club, Callus, you know, Kanosuke, all that stuff. In the main event, I mean, you know, big cast in WWE may have been a failure, but Big Bill in AEW is certainly a, a sight to behold. Brian Cage, say what you want about him. He's locked in with AEW. Two nice big men taking on two, you know, really athletic workers in Trent Beretta and uh, I think Matt Seidel. I thought that was a fun main event as well. You know, you had the women's match as well. Hikaru Shida showing while she was one of the, you know, pillars of the AEW women's division. I mean, I, I really thought Rampage was, you know, one foot in the grave, David. But I got to say, I mean, if this is what we're going to get out of Rampage every Friday, they might get me to start tuning in more often than not. Definitely. Well, it, it seemingly was an extension of Dynamite this week. And as you say, we saw the Hung Bucks against Dark Order. Dark Order picked up their win. Um, so that's leveled it. Um, the, the one one win each. Towards the end of the match, we got interference, as you say, from Takeshita. Claudio come down and hit a big uppercut. Uh, so there's a lot of interference, and that's obviously playing into the bigger storyline in terms of blood and guts. So what are your thoughts on blood and guts? What do you think about the mystery um, mystery entries in it as well? They've got one per team. Uh, any ideas who you think we'll be seeing at blood and guts? And what do you think? Are you excited going into that match? I'm pretty sure you will be. Well, I, I'm really intrigued to hear uh, your opinion on this latest report. I don't remember exactly who reported. I don't know if it's PW Insider. You guys can fact check me on this as you're listening, watching. And I'll obviously make sure you guys subscribe, whether you're watching us, listening to us, whatever have you. There's rumors that obviously the fifth man for the elite is definitely looking like it's going to be Kota Ibushi. You had Kenny Omega cut the promo off air because, I mean, they, they rushed Dynamite quick off the air this week. I wasn't on the Dynamite review. Uh, they kind of left Dynamite on a cliffhanger, but as w- they went off the air, Kenny kind of alluded to the fact that he went to Japan to talk to somebody earlier this year. I mean, it looks like it's going to be Kota Ibushi is going to be the fifth man for the Elite. I think that's said and done. I think that's a just yeah. cataclysmic signing for all Elite Wrestling. Golden Lovers and AEW is best for business. But if there's anything that I'm really enticed with, it's who the fifth man is for the Blackpool Combat Club. Obviously, Brian Danielson in his rematch against Kazuchika Okada was injured, so he's not going to be in that match. It's looking like Eddie Kingston's not going to be there. So that, you know, mm-hmm. let's hit it with the new day. Who, 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 who? Who's it going to be? Well, there is now a report that there was a pitch internally for the fifth man to be one 
I don't know if you guys are watching CM Punk. Now, I don't see this happening, but reportedly, John Moxley is not against it. If there is can, any kind of plan long-term for the Elite and CM Punk or CMFTR, whatever, to cross paths, I think that would be a great way to kind of get that ball rolling. Still, with all that being said, I think the safe bet is probably Chris Jericho, who was pitched by Don Callis to join the Don Callis family. The Don Callis family is clearly in a weird situation with the Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah. So I think whoever the fifth man for the Blackpool Combat Club is going to be the most interesting storyline in regards to how this all ties in with blood and guts. But I think this blood and guts match is shaping up to probably be the best one we've gotten to date. Yeah, I think if we had a little bit more time, Punk would be a really interesting choice. But because we're not far out and we saw the development this week with Callis and Jericho, it's seemingly leaning towards Chris to be the fifth man. And he's been in the last two blood and guts matches as well. So he's, he's obviously got an affinity with the match. He must be insane. God, don't, he wouldn't get me in one of those matches. But um, yeah, I think that with, might be the five on five. With that being said, though, David, just to kind of play devil's advocate on this. Yeah. This Wednesday uh, is the 12th. That's Dynamite. This Saturday being the 15th, as we're recording here on the 9th, is when Punk takes on Starks. If Starks goes over on Punk, which I honestly think that's probably is what, what is going to happen there, that following Wednesday the 9th is when Blood and Guts takes place. So you could have it Punk out of the Owen Hart tournament yeah, before yeah. Blood and Guts if need be. But I'm like you. If I'm a betting man and I'm going to Vegas, I'm putting all my chips in on Y2J. Yeah. And speaking of Jericho, he two of his protégés were up in action next were in action next up against uh, Matt and Jeff, but it wasn't Matt and Jeff Hardy, it was Matt Hardy and Double J and Jeff <laughs> Jarrett. Um they this was a fun match I thought against Garcia and Guevara. I think the right team picked up the win. Uh what I really found interesting in this match obviously it's a blind eliminator tournament and there was a bit I of love a blind the concept. Yeah, yeah. There was that blind tag at the end. Garcia picked up the the tag after Guevara had hit the go to hell and he picked up the win. And there's a little bit of, um, you know, what, what's going on there kind of situation. And maybe way down the line, we end up with a one-on-one match with those two guys. But for now, how do you think they fare in the tournament? And what do you think about that team? You know, I think this tournament really is ultimately all about Maxwell Jacob Freeman and Adam Cole, baby. Yes. I, I think that's what this tournament's about. And that's fine because to be honest with you, as far as like from a sports entertainment aspect, what had my interest the most this week was definitely MJF and Adam Cole. I mean, I was laughing my ass off and just watching that entire segment kind of play out. It was just like MJF was almost a magician. He just kept pulling, you know, magic tricks out his hat and you know it it, it was a little bit you know drawn out but i still thought it was just absolutely hilarious stuff with all that being said as far as like what other teams i think fair in this tournament i think orange cassidy and darby allen versus mjf and adam cole is is definitely the vision for the finals uh as far as you know the other teams i'm a big daniel garcia guy i mean you know I feel like he's very underrated. He's a young guy that they have definitely invested into. You can tell he spent a lot of time with Jericho. He's getting that that little dance over, which just absolutely cracks me up. I, I love that spot yeah. at Forbidden Door when he was just getting beat up by Shibata. And, uh, he kept falling back think, against the ropes. And yeah, back falling in. against yeah, the ropes, yeah. hitting the dance again. I, I mean, it was yeah. just absolutely hilarious stuff. I, I think Daniel Garcia is really coming into his own. I remember when he was the Red Death and he was fighting Punk on Rampage, and I, I, I saw something in it, man. I really did, and I really hope that, you know, they continue to put him in meaningful situations. Sammy Guevara, who, you know, you could argue since, you know, AEW All Access 
they've been kind of going on a, you know, Keith Lee type of, you know, redemption tour with him, trying to get him back over in the good graces of the fans. You know, it's kind of up to interpretation how that's going. You know, you had Jericho kind of talk to these two guys and tell them that, you know, the end looks like it's on the horizon for the Jericho Appreciation Society. So it looks like he's kind of leaving the young ones to fight amongst themselves. And that seems to be the theme of the story here. And if it is, put all these guys in the ring and let them kill each other. You know, I mean, I I think it's going to be great. I I, I am interested to see how all this stuff pays off. But, you know, like I said, the final is just clear as day to me. It's Darby and, and, and freshly squeezed versus MJF and Adam Cole. And, you know, what they do with the rest of those guys, I'll definitely be intrigued. But I definitely think that's the vision. Cool. Cool. On to uh, some of the women, though, from AEW. Uh, one of the top talents and one of the women that I like is Hikaru Shida. I think she's so good. And fortunately, much of her championship reign or all of her reign was during COVID. I certainly think we'll see her hold the title again at some point in the fairly near future. Um, she was up against Marina Shafir, and they're obviously quite high on Marina Shafir as well. She features quite prominently uh, on the uh, this type of show. Maybe she was on Dark a lot, and she's featured... She's featured on Dynamite. She's spent a lot of time on Rampage. Uh, this didn't go too long. Um, but what did you think? Were you a fan of Shida? Oh, Hikaru Shida. You know, at AEW's inception, you know, Kenny Omega worked very closely with all the women. And, you know, Hikaru Shida, you can make an argument, couldn't really get over in U.S. audiences at one point. But, I mean, it's really hard to do that Yeah. with COVID and all that stuff. I mean, that was uncharted territory yeah. they were entering into. And, you know, I think if you give Hikaru Shida a nice run nowadays with the Women's Championship and AEW, I feel like it would be a much different set of circumstances and a much different story. And I think the fan perception would be a lot different in general. So, you know, a lot like with a guy like Drew McIntyre, WWE, you think about what could have been had they been given a full-fledged reign. And yeah. I definitely think that every time I see Hikaru Shida, I mean, she's got the mean streak, you know, goes out there with the Kendo stick, kicks ass, has a nice little stiff competition here with Marina Shafir, who and I, I definitely says – is, is getting better you know yeah. i she's she doesn't look nearly as green as people like jade cargill and you know i'm not one to bash jade cargill but obviously she's very green and with all that being said i, I thought this was fun i think this was a good place of the women on the card for rampage and you know like i said this was a nice little fun one hour of wrestling and i don't know if we're quite done talking about it but you know i thought this was all really fast really on the nose every match felt like it had a purpose and all of it yeah. felt pretty well constructed which is a lot of things i'm not used to saying about rampage so far in 2023 yeah i checked out uh, i think it was moxley that was talking about shafir uh, and she's somebody that does ask for a lot of advice and she's oh, somebody he, that really, he really keen to learn big in that interview yeah yeah, yeah i think it was with renee wasn't it yeah it was a uh, uh, yeah. oral sessions i think yeah yeah uh, main event of this, it was Big Bill and Brian Cage advancing. They go on to face Adam Cole and MJF next week on Dynamite, which should be a great match. Uh, I think these, this was the right team to win here and an interesting dynamic to go up against, um, you know, our current favourites in terms of storyline and entertainment, uh, the Adam Cole and MJF odd couple. And we're glad that that's continuing for a few more weeks. So, yeah, a solid rampage, um, but collision this week was off the charts for me. And uh, I think Collision, uh, particularly this week, it was the perfect blend of wrestling. The commentary so good. The presentation so good. I think the Collision was the show of the week, and I've watched everything this week, which I can't say. It's not a contest, week. in my opinion. Yeah, I've watched Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, Rampage, <laughs> Collision, and Impact Wrestling this week. I didn't watch NXT, but out of all okay, those no shows, one does. Collision this week 
was sensational. What did you think of the show? And what did you think of the start in terms of CM Punk coming out and talking about Owen Hart? I, th- I mean, I goosebumps during that spot. Oh, you know, it's funny because you, you have a lot of CM Punk detractors or you have a lot of people that are CM Punk haters, more or less in general. And, you know, understandably so. I mean, the broad situation was an absolute mess. And while he definitely is, you know, my childhood favorite and, you know, I hold him near and dear to my heart. Phil didn't exactly handle that whole thing very well. And you had a lot of people kind of scoffing at the one Bill Phil thing and, you know, the collisions announcement, people talking about it being a hard brand split. You know, what a great idea to separate the locker room. But the problem is you had a lot of people in that locker room just sitting around, you know, not really doing much like your Andrade's, like your Miro's, like your Malachi Black's. I mean, I could go on on your Scorpio Skies. And this you know, Collision's Inception really gives them an opportunity to kind of showcase why they were frustrated with just kind of sitting in the back. You could argue some of these guys, you know, aren't exactly doing anything super compelling since they've gotten opportunities on Collision. But as far as a pace for a two-hour show and a balance of wrestling and storytelling, Collision was the standard this week as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, I absolutely slammed SmackDown because you had the Bloodline segment go for was supposed to go for 20 minutes originally slotted ends up going for 40. They gave that thing way too much time to breathe. And I just, I, to yeah. me, it just took away from the overall wrestling of the show. You watch collision, you know, start to finish, you know, they're in Regina. I- I'm expecting this crowd to absolutely bury punk. I really am. And punk goes out there in the lion's den and cuts a baby face promo and damn near turns the crowd around on him completely. I'm not going to say there still wasn't a good portion of that crowd that, was not, you know, messing with CM Punk. But ultimately, I thought that was a brilliant move by Phil to go out there, cut that promo, and man, did they make this match feel like a big deal, David. I mean, they really did. I mean, you had them walking around pre-match like it was a UFC fight. You had the tail of the tape. I mean, this is how you make a match feel like a big deal. You know, you add that, including like, you know, the, the, the Saturday night fight theme to it. I mean, this is everything you want Collision to be and more. And, you know, you really kind of thought the overall arcing theme of this episode is Punk Joe 4. Punk Joe 4, 18 years since these two have fought. Can Punk finally get his first win? But I never really felt like I was just waiting for the main event. Everything leading up to that, in my opinion, was really good television. I mean, you have Andrade just pleading with Malachi Black. And you and I both know Aleister Black and, you know, Andrade and WWE were absolutely killing it. And, you know, I don't even need to talk about what these guys did on the independents. I mean, these two are going to go. And it's going to be an absolutely fantastic contest. I think it needs to be at a pay-per-view. Yep. You have Scorpio Sky coming back, taking on Action Andretti. I thought it was fine. Really not complaining about it. We're getting more alluding to Miro, who a lot of people can make an honest argument, could be the one to take the international title off of Orange Cassidy, if you want to kind of give him more importance in AW. And this tag match, match of the week, I don't think I could put over this match enough. And this Regina crowd absolutely went ballistic during this match, and understandably so. I mean – this was like prime FTR we're seeing. We're talking about like NXT TakeOver FTR, which is some of the technical wrestling, the false finishes, uh, you know, the, the match wrestling, the storytelling. I-, I could sit here and mark out all day long about it, yeah. but this is why you brought FTR to All Elite Wrestling, and this was them kind of at their apex, you know. I-, I just I can't say enough about how good this episode of Collision was, David. I really can't. I mean, that when Punk came out and he's cutting the promo and he's talking about Stampede and he's talking about Owen and he's talk, saying, that's the name that I want wrestling fans to be chanting. And they didn't need much encouragement. They got an Owen chant going straight away. Goosebumps. 
Man, I wrote down goosebumps. I was fighting tears. I'm an emotional guy at times, you know, and I was really kind of feeling that. But also, as you say, the excitement and the big fight feel to what really felt like a pay-per-view quality main event to to cap off a, a huge week of wrestling. But um, first matchup was the other semi-final, and the winner of this will be going on to face um, the winner of the main event next week. And it was Starks up against Hobbs. Um, this was a good match, I thought. Um, real, we've seen these guys go to battle before, and they know each other really well. Obviously, they've got the history together in Team Taz. Uh, it was Ricky that picked up the win here, but interestingly, at the end, it was involvement from QT that actually I thought this was really clever how they did this. It was it was backfiring, and QT was there pleading with the ref to make the count. And then Hobbs saw that and he was furious because they thought QT was, you know, causing the issue. Um, he and uh, when the match finished after Ricky picked up the win with a spear, uh, Hobbs hit a spinebuster on solo. And then he went to attack QT and uh, Harley Cameron dived in the way. Um, so QT escaped this week. Do you think this is the end of Hobbs's relationship with QTV? Do you think he's back to the book of Hobbs or do you think um, there's a bit more left in this story yet? We can only hope that this is the end. I see, yes. I, I see, uh, Mister QT Marshall as I see the Miz, and okay. as regarded to like how he's tied to Tommaso Ciampa, just dead weight, really. I mean, yeah. sure, it gives him someone to beat up. Sure, it, he he's finally getting out on his own. Sure, this is a big story beat for Powerhouse Hobbs. But when Powerhouse Hobbs won the TNT title, it just it felt like there was something missing. Yeah. And, you know, to me, it's it's that, you know, factor of Hobbs being a legitimate threat. Yeah. And someone the caliber of powerhouse Hobbs sh shouldn't really need a guy like QT Marshall in his corner. And I think, you know, the QTV stuff, while I'm not the biggest fan of it, it can serve as sort of a device on AEW television. But powerhouse Hobbs never fit in any of it. And yeah. I think the faster he gets out of it, the better. I'm sure we're building up to that moment where he finally gets his hands on QT. You know, we had a little bit of the misdirection, you know, with her kind of getting in the way right at the very end. Yeah. But, you know, with all that being said, it looks like all in all, you know, Hobbs has pulled himself away from the QTV stuff. I don't think he's completely done with it yet, but yeah. I think this is great character progression. I, I, I think that was the biggest story of the match, obviously. Yeah. And I, my biggest takeaway from it, you know, you're going to have Starks move on. You're going to have Starks take on CM Punk, which I think is very interesting. You know, especially with kind of the dynamic we've seen with Starks and Punk on TV when they've been tagging together. You yeah. know, he he's kind of almost been too nice to yeah. Ricky Starks on TV. You can like a mentor type role, hasn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. And, and to see yeah. those two kind of take each on each other on next week's going to be more than interesting. But I'm definitely happy to see Powerhouse Hobbs kind of pulling himself away from this QTV stuff. And obviously, Ricky Starks and you know Powerhouse Hobbs have have a lot of history between the two. I think, you know, Kevin Kelly, who's just, oh God, I can't say enough about this commentary team, you know, put it all over really great on commentary. I thought this match was fast paced. Two young guys just going at it, knocking the hell out of each other. I think you had the right winner here. And, you know, I think both men come out of this a lot better than they did going in. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that we'd get this match as well. We've already saw Hobbs against Punk when Punk first came back. Um, so I was hoping for the Starks match in the final. Um, so I think that's going to be a great match next week. And as you say, hopefully new pastures for Hobbs. He's still got the book of Hobbs on his gear. So that suggests to me that he, he will be sticking with that direction that he was going in before joining up with uh, QT Marshall and uh, and his cronies. 
next up, there's a Miro package. We've already touched on that. And I think it's interesting what you say in terms of he could be the man to, to finally beat Orange Cassidy. Uh, I definitely think that could be a direction they're going. Uh, and we had a women's matchup. We didn't get Athena versus Willow this week because of an injury to Willow. So that match is going to happen next week. Um, I think that's going to go ahead on Rampage next week. And um, Now, Willow did lose her yeah. title recently. Stardom, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, who did she lose it to? Another Julia. It wasn't Julia Hart, because that was, com- was yeah, confusing. That really me. caught me off guard. I was like, Julia yeah. Hart? I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When did that happen? Yeah, it yeah was another that, that's Julia all I can think of. That. We kind of got screwed out of a really good women's match here to be honest with you but i mean we're finding out it's happening in you know not even a week's time so i guess we can't complain too much yeah julia there's, there's not a lot to say about this julia hart match she was up against a, a local wrestler called bambi hall julia picked up the win i love julia's presentation i say it a lot with the house of black the theme the fact that she had brody backing her up as well i thought that adds another element as well and puts her on the the, the same kind of level as buddy and brody with obviously malachi as the leader um, and off the back of that, we got the uh, Malachi promo in response to the Andrade promo, talking about the mask and basically saying that Andrade is holding onto the mask like a child would hold onto a toy, and he wants the best version of Andrade to come out. Andrade responds with the um, was saying that when the mask comes off, it means it's business time. So I certainly think it would be business time and fight time for those two guys down the line. Possibly all in or all out. And maybe we're leading towards that because that feels like a big match um, for a pay-per-view. Um, but we may get it before then. Um, you looking forward to that? I'll take it you are. Oh, man. Let me tell you. So when Mr. Phil Brooks was in WWE, I had to kind of find one of my new, new favorites. And yeah. a guy, and, and as NXT was kind of rising up through the charts, I, I really gravitated towards a guy named Aleister Black. Yeah. And let me tell you, if, if you don't know what Aleister Black was about, there is an amazing library. Go check it out on Peacock. This guy, takeover after takeover, showed, you know, he can be one of your biggest, you know, supernatural, you know, Undertaker-esque kind of, you know, baby faces. I mean, this guy can do it all in the ring. Yeah. He's obviously very creative. We've seen a lot of stuff he's done with the House of Black in AW so far. I popped so hard when he kicked Cody in the face when he debuted, I got to yeah. say. But, you know, and, and I got to say, like, you know, the trio's title win when, you know, they took on, you know, the elite at Revolution, I thought it was one of the better matches of the year. Yeah. And I thought it was one of the best trios contests I've probably ever seen. I mean, the House of Black, I mean, they have it all. You got your big powerhouse and Brody King. You got Buddy Matthews, who I can argue is one of the most underrated professional wrestlers in the world. Malachi, who's just kind of the creative center of it all and is still a great technical wrestler in his own right. I love everything the House of Black is about. And, you know, the more they take on, you know, kind of on AEW television, the better as far as I'm concerned. And as far as like, you know, TV is concerned and pay-per-view, I like I said, you put Andrade and Malachi in the ring together and you give them 30 minutes on a pay-per-view and these two guys are walking out superstars. So I'm all for it. I'm a big Malachi Black guy. Happy to hear that him and, you know, all the other House of Black guys are, 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 are collision guys. You know, they kind of came out and talked about that this week. So yeah. I think House of Black should have something to do on AEW TV, especially collision every single Saturday, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, before before you got, you made your return to Buckle, um, we spoke a lot on the podcast regarding AEW about what the introduction to collision would do for guys like Malachi Black giving them the extra time to really showcase what they can do, which we're all aware of, that we saw in, you know, it was it was bi-weekly or sometimes monthly. We wouldn't get that flow of seeing them every week, unfortunately, because there just wasn't enough time 
um, on Dynamite to get everybody on. Good point. So with Collision launching, we're starting to see some of the best of House of Black. I've been a Malachi fan. But it, I saw him on a show in the UK when he was still performing as Tommy End, and then oh, obviously man. went on to WWE, and he's run there in NXT. Um, when he showed up in AEW, that was one of the the best signings for me that they could have made. And uh, yeah, I'm really into the House of Black stuff. But you mentioned about that trios match being a match of the year. Up next on Collision, this tag team match. Um, I'm pressed. It's a bit of recency bias, so I'm thinking, is it the best tag match of the year? I certainly think it's in the conversation. Um, this was FTR up against Bullet Club Gold. And this was wrestling tag team perfection. Uh, Dax and Cash, we can't speak highly enough of. But Juice and Jay here, props to all four guys in this match, just bought it. It was, it was, if you haven't watched it, if any of you guys are kind of listening to this or watching this on YouTube, um, just to hear the results of what happened on Collision, I implore you, please go and find this match. Eight minutes it. on YouTube. It'll be the yeah. best tag team wrestling you've probably seen all year. And no. I, I and I don't I'm not gassing that up too much. It it really no. was just a sight to behold. Well, I was I've talked about this um, uh, where they do the the title eliminator. So if the champions are in action and the title's not on the line, it can really make the fit match feel much bigger. You know, there's more stakes on the line if the contenders can earn a title shot, and you're not. And if, whereas if it's a title match, you're kind of expecting the champions to win, particularly when it's on television rather than pay per view. So this um, added element, I wasn't, I didn't know which way this was going to go. I kind of hoped that Juice and Jay could pick up the win so I could see more of it. And that's exactly what happened. Um, it was such a clever finish as well. Such a, it, no, nobody looked bad in this. They all just elevated themselves. The team that won, the team that lost, everyone was elevated, man. I can't speak highly enough. Parker, what 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 are some of your thoughts on this match? Too? Two different sequences in this match were just absolutely masterclass. You had one where Jay White was going for a blade runner on Dax Hardwood, and you had Cash kind of step in and like almost like cut off the contacts so that he couldn't get the full momentum of the move. You had Juice Robinson come in and pretty much stop the big rig midair. Yeah. And oh my gosh, man. I just like I said, like I haven't seen stuff like this from FTR since like American Alpha in the revival and an NXT takeover. And yeah. don't get me wrong, FTR has put on some absolute classics with the Briscoes, with the Young Bucks since they've been in AEW. But I mean, this these two pairs look like wrestling soulmates in there. And I really do think, you know, Dax Harwood's been reported to have creative control in and on AEW collision. I really do think the point of this entire contest was to make Jay White look like a superstar. And man, yeah. did they, because they were hitting him with everything they had in their arsenal. And this is a deep arsenal. I mean, FTR are students of the game, one of the best tag teams in the world. And just Jay just kept kicking out and kicking out and kicking out and kicking out. And I really think that was the, the purpose of this entire contest was to put over Jay White and, and build him up as a credible threat. And I think that, you know, Jay White's stock each week just keeps going up and up and up and up and you have juice robinson as like that foil who just keeps coming in and constantly disrupting the flow of the match and kind of ruining some of these like you know fatalities that fdr are trying to perform on jay white and then jay white and like you said that just absolutely creative finish i loved it i thought the flow of the match was great it was relentless i think that's the word i would use to describe this match is relentless i mean there were just some sequences that were just moving so fast it's almost like 
you watch this and, you know, think it, if they are calling it in the ring, how do they have, like, it's just really some of the best tag team wrestling I've seen in 2023. I mean, and I'm not just, you know, trying to swell up collision here. I really, I'm not going to say I didn't have high expectations for this match, but all eyes were on the main event. But, yeah. man, this was match the of the week, match of the night. It, like, like David said, if you're going to watch one match this week, check out this match. I mean, this was just, a, like I said, a relentless contest between both teams. And now we're getting a two out of three falls match between these two teams next. I mean, man, if this is what they do with a little bit of TV time and a regular eliminator tag team match, Lord knows what they will do in a two out of three falls match. I think they have a vision. I think the best is yet to come. Yeah, I mean, as you say, I I expected a good match because Dax and Cash was in it first and foremost. Not that I I'm big fans of Juice and Jay, but they although they've been teaming recently in Bullet Club Gold, they're not like a long-standing tag team. Whereas FTR have been tagging their whole career, the tag team specialists. So I was I don't even know if I was surprised. I I, I know Jay and Juice looked like are. they belonged in that ring. They looked yeah. like they had just as much synchronicity as FTR did, and, and to me, that is a, a, a testament. Yeah, and we get, as you say, we're getting the two out of three falls match next week. I'm excited for that. I'm glad we are. Would you have held off and left it for the pay-per-view? Or do you think, I don't know, what which way do you think they're going to go with this? I'd, I'd be a hypocrite if I told you that I didn't think that they were doing a little bit too much too soon. Yeah, That was kind of the mark in me talking. I, I, I saw in the SmackDown review, I feel like they did too much bloodline stuff in one night when you still have, excuse me, you still have weeks until the pay-per-view, you know, I'm not 100% sure of the vision, but, you know, I definitely think I would have let this one marinate a little bit Yeah. because, I mean, I almost feel like going straight into two out of three falls match, that's some pay-per-view quality stuff we're probably working into. And, you know, it's almost like you're not letting this first match kind of marinate and, you know, get over and let people kind of enjoy that before you're kind of already going into the sequel. You could argue that your whole trilogy, I think we're going to see some, you know, some probably some false, like some dirty finishes. I think there's going to be some, a lot of story beats in this two out of three falls match, maybe some DQs, you know, who knows how all that stuff's going to play out. Eventually Jay White and Juice Robinson are going to have to be dastardly heels and they're going to try to get over an FTR in the wrong way. I think this might be a situation where there's going to be a lot of, you know, funny business going on in this two out of three falls match. At least that's how I would justify it happening so soon after this first contest. But I definitely agree with the sentiment that they, probably could have waited on this before they pulled the trigger yeah yeah I'm, I'm i know i'm going to enjoy the match but i certainly they they leave it open for another match at a high at a grander stage whether that's it's for the titles over. right it's for the titles yeah yeah yeah, that's, mm. yeah, they, yeah boy bullet club gold winning this match they earned the title shot so um yeah gonna be a great match uh on to um we must move on there to the scorpio sky's return before we do parker Uh, so up next, we had the uh, the re-debut or the, the return of Scorpio Sky. We obviously saw a video package last week, and we thought that Scorpio was going to be part of Collision. This is the first time we've seen him appear in some time, uh, and we weren't too sure if he was a good guy or a bad guy, and he was up against Action Andretti this week. Uh, I thought this was a pretty good match. Um, Action Andretti got a lot of cool spots in. There was a really good Spanish fly. Um, ultimately, um, Scorpio picked up the win with an awesome looking TKO. Um, the end of the match, he offered his hand out and shook the hand of Action Andretti. So maybe he's a good guy. Uh, was that your interpretation, Parker? And what did you think of the match? My interpretation of Scorpio's guys return to AW television is make me care. Okay. So, I, you know, I 
I, I'm a big fan of Scorpio Sky. I yeah. thought he actually had kind of an underrated, you know, library of matches in all elite wrestling since his inception back in 2019. And obviously, I correct me if I'm wrong, David, but he was a part of the inaugural champions in SoCal Uncensored. You know, he's kind of always been attached to, you know, Christopher Daniels, uh, Frankie Kazarian. Uh, Daniels, obviously more of a producer role now. Frankie Kazarian kind of seeing an exit from all elite wrestling due to, you know, kind of creative creative differences. It says it's not really what it's about anymore. So that kind of leaves him as the odd man out of the initial group, you know, kind of a part of who were the first tag team champions in the promotion. So, you know, he's kind of seen his way off TV. There's been reports of, you know, him kind of being a locker room issue him kind of being outspoken backstage which is a common theme with a lot of these guys but but a lot like Miro you know I'm already kind of seeing that they don't really have a sense of direction with the narrative in which they want to take him in so it looks like he's going to be a baby face like you said offering his hand out to action Andretti but where Scorpio Sky really shines to me David I know you know for the sake of being long-winded and all of this where Scorpio Sky resonates with me is his in-ring ability and I think you go out there and him and the and Dre, shit, let him have a best of seven or something. I mean, just yeah. let Scorpio well, Sky kind of refamiliarize himself with the AEW audience. I think he's captivating with what he can do in ring. As far as like finding his character, I think there's a lot left to be desired. But it was nice to see him back on television. I do think he is an asset to the company. And I do want to see him in just in a little bit more of a meaningful program going forward. But I mean, it's still early, so I can't really write it yeah. off too soon. But that was my honest raw interpretation of the difficult one for me i think aw generally does a good job of their lower and their mid card guys of presenting them well and presenting them as stars yeah sometimes there's that difficulty of those mid carders making that step up to the top top level i know we've got the tnt championship and we've he's a former tnt champion if i'm not mistaken yeah Yeah, twice i think two i think he's held it twice we've got the international title as well Maybe, I don't know if we need more belts in AEW at the minute. I probably won't go down too well with a lot of people. But I'm thinking a kind of X Division style thing. For, for, I don't know. Maybe, maybe something like that. Maybe that's where guys like Scorpio Sky fit. I'm not sure. I can't see him going for a world championship. And as you say, he's already been in the TNT title picture. So I don't know. It's There's got to be something one. to fight for in Collision. You yes. know, I mean, we've had Punk alluding to having Max's title in the bag. He never lost it. Uh, with that being said, though, you know, we haven't seen any international title defenses, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. I Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Luchasaurus defending the TNT title soon? I don't think that's on collision, though, either. It's a battle of the belts, if I'm not mistaken. That's a battle of the belts, and he's up against um, Sean Spears. Sean Spears. So, I mean, yeah, we're not really seeing any, you know, of these mid-echelon titles being defended on collision. So, it makes you wonder, like, which one of these titles is going to kind of be the B title on collision and at the end of the day collision still doesn't even really have an A title. So I was yeah. kind of thinking the same thing. We're getting all these kind of, you know, you could argue random singles contests between competitors, which I'll never complain about a good exhibition, but ultimately what do people in wrestling fight for to be champions? So yes. that is an interesting conversation. I think you and I are going to have on, on these collision review shows in the foreseeable future is Absolutely. what are they fighting for? You know? Because I, I don't want to see the Ring of Honor titles. I, I want to keep Ring yeah. of Honor separate. I think that works Agreed. better for everyone involved. Because um, you can't being really put together meaningful feuds and you're building towards Ring of Honor pay-per-views if you've got this interaction with AEW wrestlers on Dynamite Collision Rampage. So I think, yeah, it's definitely got to be a separate entity. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll pick that up at some point, I'm sure, in the next few weeks. Um, on to the main event for Collision. And this for me 
absolutely met expectations, probably exceeded them a little bit, to be totally honest. And I didn't think anything could come close to the tag match, but this was another match of 2023 for me. Um, they built it really well with the packages as well, with the Ring of Honor footage. And this would so this was actually their guys' fourth match. Samoa Joe hadn't lost to CM Punk. Um, so it was a really interesting dynamic. The winner would go on to face Ricky Starks in the final. Parker, I thought this was sensational. I loved it. It was a very different type of match to all the other type of matches we've seen this week, really, in AEW. Uh, what did you think of the main event and what did you think about CM Punk advancing to the final? I feel like everybody's Twitter looks a little bit different, especially if you're a wrestling fan. But throughout my timeline, through the duration of this week, whether it be backup hangman, Tranquilo Club, all of those guys did a just like AW phenomenal job of hyping up Punk Joe Four. Which, if you're a wrestling historian, uh, historian, I mean, you don't have to be, you know, a CM Punk diehard or a Samoa Joe diehard to know that these two went at it for an absolute classic trio of matches in the early 2000s. And yeah. you know, Joe going over on Punk every single time. A lot of these contests ending in draws, and just the stories that these two would tell with each other very with with a lot of nuance and and a lot of subtleties and to me what was really interesting about this is that joe's always joe right he he's the toughest son of a bitch in professional wrestling and i don't use that term lightly like i said i think on our last collision review episode he's the type of guy that doesn't just give out the punishment he can take it as well and kind of going into this matchup i don't know about you but i always kind of wonder what the dynamic is what story they're going to tell and you know with punk you know already having two significant injuries in his return to all elite wrestling you're almost kind of wondering, like, all right, are, they're not going to go out there and throw out like it's the early 2000s. You know, it, it, Punk's just yeah. not built like that anymore. I mean, even when Joe did the walkaway spot, when Punk did the, you know, the crossbody in the middle of the ring, I, the way Punk landed, I was just grimacing at it. And yeah. what I really loved early in this match, Dave, and we're just going to get down to the bare bones of it, is Punk avoiding the chops, knowing that, you know, his body already got a lot of miles on it and he can't take the type of punishment that Samoa Joe can dish out even in 2023. You know, back in their early contest, I kind of re-familiarized myself with the initial trilogy. It was on Twitter. It was everywhere. You know, Punk was just taking the punishment. He wasn't. He's a grizzled veteran in in, in the sport. You know, who knows how much time he's got left. And, you know, he was avoiding everything Joe was throwing at him. And I thought this was really a throwback and kind of a, you know, two archetypes of, of workers that, we really don't see anymore two guys that, you know, went out there and kind of a, and, and I'd argue a limited amount of TV time. I think it was a 20, 25 minute contest, you know, commercial time included. I thought they made every move count and they made everything feel impactful. And, you know, it, it almost felt like you were watching real combat sports in a way because, you know, every time they hit each other, they knew they were wearing the other person down. I mean, this was not a spot fest. This was a old school match and it, it had the big fight feel. It felt worthy in the main event. And obviously, you know, it, it was everything that I hoped it would be in more. And what I liked about it the most, David, is that while it was still a great contest and I love the psychology of it and I thought it was everything it, it was supposed to be, it still left you wanting more. Yep. And, you know, the, the post-match beat of, you know, punk sticking his hand out to shake joe's hand joe shaking in the choke him and then just standing over him saying I'm, I'm i'm better than you i've always been better than you you know realistically this is punk's first well, win man. right this is punk's yeah. first win so there's still a score left to be settled i mean this is 20 years where joe's been able to say i've had cm punk's number punk gets him on a roll-up you felt just that that rage 
of yeah. Samoa Joe, and you definitely felt like this was far from over. So it would not surprise me to see, to see Samoa Joe get involved in the Owen Hart final, cost CM Punk that match. And, you know, that's, you know, Punk Joe 5 being what we're looking at on the horizon. As much as we want Punk to kind of mingle with the elite, I think we are far from done with Punk and Joe in the ring. But at the same time, if this was it, I'd say this was a really good addition to a really good library of matches between CM Punk and Samoa Joe. So I, like I said, I, I had so much fun with this. This was really kind of a, a nice little throwback to what I loved about wrestling growing up. Well, Kevin Kelly at that moment when Joe turned on him, called him a bitter, vindictive son of a bitch. Which oh I God, I loved, loved it. I loved it. I and loved Kevin it. Kevin Kelly you know, it, and McGinnis's commentary, as as we spoke about at the start of the review, so so good. gives It gives Collision a different feel to Dynamite and Rampage as well. Um, towards the end of the match, Joe got Punk in a crippler crossface. Um, Punk hit Joe over Power Slam. After the Power Slam, we got some Owen Hart chance. There was a thank you Owen sign in the crowd as well, which again I got goosebumps over that. And I was yeah, thinking. Me too. I was thinking, thank you, thank you, Punk, thank you, Joe, but thank you, Martha Hart, as well, for um, agreeing to be involved with AEW for organising this uh, with Tony Khan and allowing us as fans to pay tribute to Owen and the wrestlers to pay tribute to Owen with the tournament. It's just absolutely perfect. And as a fan, I really appreciate everything that um, goes into this tournament. And I hope it's a, a tournament that we get to see every year. Um, as you say, Joe hit him with a cocaine clutch, punk dropped down, rolled at one, two, three. Um, they did a handshake. Um, Joe turned on him, and that's when Kevin Kelly hit that line on him. Prior to that, I'd noted three one to Joe, more to come. Question mark. I think after that finish, we definitely get more. And if Joe is involved with the final with the final next week up against Ricky Starr, costing Punk the match, or even if he doesn't cost him the match, if he's involved in in any way. I think there'll be a continuation of this, and I think we'll see Punk against Joe again in the future. And it makes you wonder, right? Because, yeah. you know, you have maybe Punk could run a little bit of a Cody Rhodes gauntlet like Cody did with, with Seth and go 3-0 on him, and then you're looking at a potential rubber match. I mean, that's 3-3 yeah. right there. So you got to wonder, are they trying to 50-50 book this situation? How do they do it and still build the intrigue? It, you know, I would almost build it as, you know, Joe saying there was a fluke victory. Have Punk get another. I Like I said, Punk can string together some wins and have this a 3-3, you know, overall record between the two and then have the blow-off beat a big pay-per-view for AW, concluding in an event even as far out as full gear. I think this is something you could really take your time with, and I could tell that these two gentlemen still had a lot left in the tank when this contest was over. They had yeah. a lot. that You could tell that this thing is far from over. I mean, like I said, I when, when two guys are really good at what they do and they know how to work and they know how to – get the crowd going and they know all the right beats to hit. If by the end you're left wanting more, they did their job. And I was definitely left wanting more by the end of it. I'm really glad you put over the commentaries all day, but because yeah. the commentary, man, do they give this stuff a big fight feel man? Do they give this stuff like the combat sports vibe that we oh so desperately miss on dynamite. And, and you know, I'm not trying to bury any of the dynamite commentary team, but it just really pales in comparison to what they're doing on Saturday nights with collision right now. It really does. And I think this is something that, Tony Khan knows he's got a gold mine with. I mean, obviously he owns the ROH library, but you know, knowing that he can kind of expand on the mythos of Punk and Joe in 2023, knowing that you know Punk can't exactly work with everybody, and this is something he can really take his time with. It'll kind of refamiliarize the fans with both of these guys. Hopefully, you know, get Punk over back in the good graces of the fans, like you talked about the Owen Hart chance throughout. 
And, you know, I, I really think this is a good thing for both parties. And, you know, if this is all we're going to see of these two in AEW, as far as one-on-one is concerned, I think they did enough here to kind of, you know, pay homage to the initial matches. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if they're going to keep it going, I think they did a perfect job of setting up here. Bravo main event here. And, you know, last week, you know, with Roderick Strong and Joe going off the air, I remember you and me put over, you know, kind of the story beat going off air with Roderick Strong and the stretcher and all that stuff. And, they really are building Joe as a credible, badass mega heel on collision. And, you know, having punk kind of escape Joe rather than beat him, you know, it's almost like punk's kind of opening up Pandora's box. And I think we have yet to see all of what Joe's brutality, you know, can really be on AEW programming. So I'm excited to see where they go with this moving forward. And, you know, the sky's the limit as far as I'm concerned. Great collision. Great. Yeah, man. I really hope both Punk and Joe can stay fit and avoid injuries. And, you know, they, they could perfectly link this into a best of seven. You know, they've already got this 3-1 now. They could they could continue this in a variety of ways. So uh, we'll stay tuned and we'll absolutely be salivating over whatever combination of match they throw at us. Because after this week's collision, I don't think they can really go wrong. They're on a high at the minute, aren't they, AEW? And I really hope they can continue and sail on that high. Uh, into all in and all out like running August. And you know, David, I don't mean to cut you off, but I really like what you said about Owen Hart right there because I have to say, you know, you have a lot of people, you know, who are more WWE fans than they are AEW fans kind of being like, well, what's up with this Owen Hart stuff in AEW? You know, I mean, all these guys are Bret Hart marks. Like, why are they putting over Owen Hart? I mean, look at his career. To me, that's almost like people putting out down AEW in 2023 because if you are a fan of professional wrestling in the united states of america to me you have a hard time convincing me that there's anything better in ring than what we are seeing on AEW from a wrestling perspective on a weekly basis you take storylines completely out of it you just go as far as you know athleticism and in-ring product a lot like the hart brothers it is top tier and they are on a streak right now and i do think the owen hart thing is extremely well orchestrated bravo tony khan aw and all that stuff and you know it's paying homage to a whole last generation of fans obviously i didn't grow up on owen hart but i still am very well versed on you know his legacy in professional wrestling and i think this stuff is just absolutely done with tact and i hope it's something they just keep doing year after year after year after year and i bravo to tony khan honestly you know for kind of making it feel like a big deal incorporating all these big story beats into the tournament as well so like I said, bravo to AEW on Collision. And, you know, people are going to sit here, David, and, and we, we should go ahead and have this little conversation, too, about ratings. Yeah. People are so caught up in this, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to kind of get your take on that because, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of paralleling the success and, you know, the quality of Collision alongside with what it's drawing uh, in TV ratings. So before I kind of go into that, as we kind of close out here, I, I kind of want to get your opinion on on the entire ratings dialogue. Well, I think it's drawing money and the, through a variety of revenue streams and ratings really is a too simplistic way to look at things. The UK market for AEW is huge, huge. And there's not too many AEW fans that will be watching it live as it happens because of the time difference. So we tend to wake up and we'll watch Dynamite, Rampage and Collision in a morning, you know, after the event. But that's kind of the way that television consumption is now, right? You know, with streaming, people don't tend to watch too much of what they really love as it happens or as it's put out onto TV. So people's habits have changed. 
Uh, I think there's a lot of other metrics you could look at um, to judge AEW by. And there's no way television companies are going to be giving them an extra two hours of prime time Saturday night TV if they weren't doing something right. So, yeah, the ratings conversation, although I think it can, you know, it can be a small marker of success, it doesn't give a big picture at all. And, yeah, I would, I really want people to start talking about the exciting stuff that we're seeing on TV and all the exciting wrestling events that we're getting at the minute and the buzz about wrestling at the minute rather than concentrate. I mean, you could look at that crowd last night and AEW could play to bigger crowds and sell more tickets. But the little bit that Punk said at the start about Stampede, Stampede Wrestling, and that being a wrestling town, or at Regina, right? So why they have all the right to see these AEW athletes and, and matches as anywhere else. So I like the fact that they take it around the States, they take it around Canada, they're bringing it to the UK. Um, I don't think we should look at the negatives. I think we should just focus on the positives. Um, how about you, man? Uh, I, first of all, couldn't have said it any better myself. And with all of that being said, I, I kind of went into an entire spill about tribalism between WWE and AEW and how I'm just concerned about seeing good professional wrestling, no matter what logo is at the bottom right of that screen, whether it be AEW or WWE. And, you know, I, I think going off the ratings alone is just a, a lazy way to go about it yeah. and is not the only metric. And if there's one that I want to talk about in particular, it's two words for you. It's not suck it. It's social media, my friend. Yes. And that's a reason that they lure in a guy like Logan Paul because you know how many hits his stuff is going to get when he is talking about WWE in any capacity when he's on WWE programming? Yeah. How many people are going to flock to that? I mean, really, look at the, the traction that AEW has gotten on social media. You know, yeah. it, it is comparable to WWE in a lot of senses. And, you know, people were kind of talking about this Saturday time slot, right? They're like, oh, well, you know, once college football comes on, it's completely screwed. Blah, 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 blah. You know, at the end of the day, man, you know, they're not on Fox. I mean, I think comparing it to that is kind of unfair and you're not really being realistic in and of itself either. Yeah. And I think, you know, there was even an entire dialogue of, oh, well, TNT makes more money running Revenge of the Sith than they do with the episode of Collision already. And I just don't really think any of that is true. And like I said, I think it's a lazy narrative. I think it's a lazy metric and an overall lazy route to go if you're going to sit here and downplay just how quality collision has been up to this point, because it's not all about the ratings, man. It's really not. And if there wasn't an audience for it, you can bet your ass that the nickname one bill Phil would not be in the ether. Okay. But there is yeah. a reason that AW is trending upward and they're getting more TV time allotted. And that is because they are moving upward and trending upward. And, you know, it may not be on the scale of the arrivals yet, some may even argue that you wouldn't even consider other promotions rivals, but that's not what it's about to me. To me, it's about having a cohesive product, a nice couple fun hours of wrestling, and, you know, me coming out of it feeling fulfilled. And, you know, as far as, like, who makes me feel something in 2023, when I'm watching All Elite Wrestling, I feel like I'm, you know, kind of at the apex of it all. And, you know, I like I said, it, it's not a contest, really, but, you yeah. know, it, se it almost seems like, you know, because CM Punk is kind of the spearhead of this whole thing, there is a large subsection of people actively rooting for this entire collision thing to fall on its head. And so far, they're choking on their words because this is great television we're getting so yeah. far. And I don't know who's creatively, creatively responsible for it, but bravo to them as well. There's rumors that it's Punk. There's rumors that it's Dax. You know, who knows who's running the ship over there, but it feels like those are two different groups on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And I, I just want to – 
give my hands off to the Saturday group because I, I love coming on these review shows and talking about this because this is this is what AW should be all about. Yeah. And I'll just close a couple of couple of bits. So you SmackDown debate with Andy. I, I love it. And I love that kind of friendly competition, that banter that we call it in the UK, right? The banter. Um, it doesn't have to get nasty. Um, we're AEW guys, I think. They're WWE guys, but we all love wrestling. I think that's where we can kind of draw the line. Um, I didn't like SmackDown. Uh, I, well, I liked SmackDown. I liked the Bloodline bit, but the fact that it overran so much, it crapped on guys like Karrion Cross and Asuka, which was my problem. You know, that the performers didn't get as much time as they should have, that their matches got short. And, you know, to rebuild Karrion Cross now, it's, it's you know, they just make it difficult, don't they, when AJ Styles beats him so quick. Um, but in terms of wrestling and collision and CM Punk, I went through a time you know, in the past six months where I've, I've really, I was a little bit angry with punk. Um, I'm a huge punk fan, but it really hurt AEW. But what I, what punk has shown me since he come back, that is that he loves pro wrestling. Uh, to tell me when I'm telling lies, you know, to quote himself, he loves pro wrestling and there was a bit of damage done, but episodes like this stories like this with Samoa Joe and, and what it leads on to, you know, for me, that goes a long way. So I'm glad Punk's back in the fold. I'm glad Collision's on such a good run. And I'm I'm happy that we can have the conversation about SmackDown and Collision and what we liked and what we didn't like and the different type of show. But let's just enjoy wrestling, man. Amen. Amen. I'm all for it. And, you know, I, I a lot like you, I enjoy the banter as well. And, you know, yeah. that was kind of the mission statement of HGTV here. You know, me and Andy would kind of be like, who won this week? And, you know, yes. I guess I kind of took more of a step back and just tried to enjoy both products for what they are. And I do give objective analysis on both products. While I am an AEW guy, I watch WWE every week. I don't miss the programming. I don't miss the PLEs. When I like something, I talk about how much I like it. When I hate it, I'll tell you why I hate it. But I'm going to be honest and I'm going to be fair about both products. But I do feel like sometimes when you're leaning more to the WWE side, it's almost like there's a little bit of – you talked about it at the beginning of this episode, a little bit of a satisfaction with any type of, of, of trend of AW stock going down yeah. or looking like things aren't going well. So that competition's there. And I kind like to see that WWE is the big we're bro. Like-minded is that we, we're not really rooting for anybody to fail. No. I'd say WWE is like the big brother. You know, always kind yeah. of like getting a few digs. If, if WWE fans feeling like those big brother to AEW fans and just giving them the odd little knock. Well, and David, I also feel like, and I, I don't want to try to open Pandora's box on this, right? But I almost feel like <laughs> WWE created AEW, right? Like yeah. we wanted the alternative. We wanted somewhere for these other guys to work. We wanted a, a company that gave us good quality wrestling and, you know, a cohesive narrative and, you know, not big sweaty, you know, power lifters in the ring. You know, I, I don't want to watch Vince play with his toys. I want to watch wrestling, right? Yeah. And, you know, I feel like that's what AEW offers. And, you know, I, I just it, it kind of cracks me up that, you know, it's almost like instead of, you know, being like all these guys are that are in the business backstage, just being happy that everybody's getting a job and everybody is working and there's so many different places to work in 2023. Yes. Everybody's just so conditioned stateside. UK doesn't matter that WWE is the be all and end all. And I can assure anyone watching or listening to this. That it is not. There is so much great professional wrestling in 2023. If SmackDown sucks, go watch AEW. If Raw sucks, go watch TNA. I can sit here and list promotion after promotion. I mean, NJPW, you got NJPW World. Like, 
we don't review everything here on HGTV, but me and David are both big advocates for there is wrestling outside of WWE. And I think that's really the overall point that I'm trying to convey yeah, when I definitely. am, you know, trying to be balanced about the whole WWE AEW debate. I think it's healthy. I think it's always going to be there and it's only going to get worse, David, but I certainly enjoy talking about Saturday night so far. That's for sure. Me too, man. Well, we'll leave it there. Thanks everybody for listening, for watching uh, it's been Dave Robinson and Parker Hamlet. Buckle down. Stay safe, everyone. Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out the Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast. Make sure you go and check us out on all social media. Twitter, you can find us at HTT Buckle. Facebook, just search the Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast.